I go passing by. Even the nighthawks, they stifle their cries. While the alligator sleeps in his duckweed palm, I silently lap up water, then I swiftly abscond. There's mud in my veins and muck in my arteries. My breath is like sulfur, keeps away the mosquitoes and fleas. My teeth are sharper than green briar thorns. My heart is the place where bitterness is born. At daybreak, the red winged blackbirds sing of my misdeeds as they flip and flap and fly around in the cattail reeds. They sing, Swamp and Wolf, don't let the darkness go. There's someone that you need to find. They sing, Swamp and Wolf, don't let the darkness go. Welcome to the Swamp and Wolf Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Garza. I'm sitting here with Tom Stacy. How's it going? Tom Stacy, return guest. Number two, actually. Second return guest I've had on the show. Um, and uh, so because of that, man, I don't know. I guess do another introduction of yourself, just in case people haven't listened to the first one. It can be shorter, maybe. <laughs> um. I'm Thomas Stacy. I was born in Houston, and um, I guess, what do you want to know? Well, I mean, whatever the obvious stuff. Like, I would say, like, you're a chef. I'm a chef. <laughs> Should I tell you the rest of the things to say about yourself? <laughs> I uh, grew up here, went to college, got a job with a large corporation, and then decided to quit my job and follow my dreams now i'm opening a restaurant and um i'm also a sober person i don't drink or use drugs and uh i'm a happy guy (laughs) um yeah and then i'll do a recap of how we met too short version we met at the climbing gym i was depressed at the time we chatted. We didn't really hang out much. And then a year later, we went on a climbing trip together to Utah. And we've been closer ever since that. Um, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess let's fill in um, our guests on things that have gone on since since their last episode together. Yeah. Uh, Our last episode was in early October of 2020, Okay, I want to say, uh-huh. uh, because shortly after that I went to New York City, um, and I wound up relapsing, and when I came back after a week, I decided to come back into the program of recovery, spent two weeks in recovery, relapsed again for three weeks and then decided to come back. Um, also, since then, I had a guest in my home where I had been serving tasting menus since July who offered me a physical restaurant location on New Year's Eve. And now we are about a month and a half away from opening the actual restaurant which is a dream come true for me. Yeah. Um, okay. Shall we... Uh, <laughs> I think we can talk about both of those. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean... I, in the previous one, I think we talked about it. We, you talked about relapsing and how you don't really view it as, like, a, a bad thing, right? I mean, yeah. like, it's just, uh, <clears throat> so long as you, I don't know. I mean, what is your, what is your current outlook? On I it? think that relapse is a part of a lot of people's journey, a lot of addicts journeys. Um, for me, my relapse was very short in the scheme of, you know, people's relapsing, but like, 
for me, it's like, how well do I know myself? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what am I doing to take action against the things that I know are problems for me? Uh, you know, like I started to gain control of certain areas of my life and then I thought I could handle drinking again, but it's not really a matter of me handling it or not. It's just like my brain isn't wired to receive, uh, mind altering substances. Yeah. Um, and that's where the acceptance piece comes in, like accepting the things we can't change, right? Like if I am mad at people for driving poorly, then like, which is something that I can't help, I cannot change, then I'm mad for no reason. Like I'm in denial, essentially. If uh -huh. I get road rage or I get angry at other drivers, I'm yeah. in denial. Right. Because I'm getting angry at something that some somebody else's fucking behavior. Is that out of your control? There's no reason to get all worked up about it. Exactly. I, I still do occasionally. Somebody, of course. Somebody today, and actually I had this exact thought, because I, <clears throat> you know, I was getting onto 45. There's the merge lane where I was getting on. And everybody's doing the zipper merge, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm in line to get between these two vehicles. And this guy just is not letting me in to the point where, like, I'm about to, like, bump into this guy if he doesn't let me over. And I, I it was like a game of chicken. And I was like, all right, fine, dude. Like, go. Don't play by the zipper merge rules. Like, and I was getting all worked up about it for like honestly probably just for like maybe 20 seconds and then I was like why do I care that much like I'm still I'm one car behind still gonna get to where I'm going I'm still gonna get to where I'm going probably I'm one car time. behind where I would have been exactly like does it really <laughs> that's <laughs> the similarity to being an addict is like the sooner I just accept my reality and learn to live with it Mm -hmm. the more happy I'm going to be. Like, perception is reality. Like, um, if I lower my expectations, then I'm going to be a happier person with the outcome. Yeah. If I just, like, gear my mind to know, well, I just can't do that thing. I just can't have that treat or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever you view alcohol or any substance as, like, I just can't have it. My brain can't receive it. Yeah. Um and I learned to be happy with other things in the in the place of alcohol. Not only am I just like healthier and I'm not making poor decisions, but I'm more productive in those avenues. For instance, like I just wouldn't be building my business in the way that I am now if I was drinking at all. Mm -hmm. It just takes my emotional energy away. And that's what I found over those that those four weeks that I was drinking again. It's just like, it's not really that I drank too much or like couldn't stop drinking, which is what used to happen uh, before I went into sobriety. I was just a wild drinker. And that didn't happen this time. More so it was like the way that I functioned after you know the day after in the days after like first of all I was gonna drink every day like I did drink every day whether I said I was going to or not like even if I said I wasn't gonna drink I would drink that night like mm -hmm. at least a beer mm -hmm. and then the rest of the time like I just didn't show up in the ways that I do when I'm sober and yeah. I wasn't as nice and I wasn't as productive yeah so I it's just like shit, I'll just go back to not doing it and have a lot more fun right. <laughs> with myself. I'm just more time and stuff like that. I think we talked about that. It's like, for me too, it's just, if I spend my night drinking all night, the next day is just a wash. Like, I sure. can't, can't do very much. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I, I still need to go to an AA meeting with you because... 
I literally struggle now. I'm noticing, like, and it's actually, I don't know, like, what this drive is because I will go home and want a beer, one beer. I'm not even probably feeling drunk off of it. But, like, I still have this drive, like, it's almost like a treat, like you're talking about, where I did this thing today, and I'm like, man, I did, like, I accomplished, like, quite a bit today. I'm going to go home and, like, treat myself with a beer, you know? And just one. But why do I need that? And so, like, I kind of went through this little battle in my head of, like, do I drink a beer? Do I not? I made tea instead, and I didn't drink a beer. Or it's, like, treat yourself with some other activity that doesn't include a dopamine rush. Yeah, so basically what I've found is if I have beer in my fridge, I'm going to, like, drink them. Yeah. Like, I, I find excuses to drink them. I make up excuses to drink them. Like, I'm going to have one tonight, like, just uh, because I did this today or something. Um, when it's not, you know, if I didn't have the beer in my fridge, I'm not going to go to the store and buy them. It's just if they're in my fridge, then I make up excuses to drink them. So I feel like it's probably not the healthiest. I don't know why I have that drive. Um, well, the cool thing about AA is that it's, you don't have to be, a, you don't have to, like, admit that you're an alcoholic to go to an AA meeting. You yeah. just have, the only, we say the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking for one day. Like, if you're like, oh, I don't want to drink today, I want to go try this meeting to help me do that, like, that's allowed. Yeah. Anything's allowed. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess one thing I'll say is, like, as a witness to your um, relapse, I certainly wasn't necessarily helping. <laughs> uh, I mean, you were there for me. I was there exactly for you. Exactly how I and wanted I, you to I be. I think I brought it up, like, to you. Yeah. Whenever you were like, hey, man, want to have a drink? And I would say, I would say, like, is this going to be, you know, something down the line that you're going to regret doing with me, you know? Well, obviously we're here now. I know. But, you know, that was just a question I had. And you're like, you were basically saying, no, no. Like, yeah. Oh, don't worry about that. Which I still hold. Yeah. That, that was totally my experiment. It didn't have any serious consequences, thank God. But it yeah. did help me come to know again, which I already knew. But, you know, come to find out again that I just am better without it. Mm-hmm which I'm thankful for. Right. It's like, um, I would have rather tried it after two and a half years or two years of sobriety than try it after 10 years of sobriety and feel like I flushed something down the drain because I don't feel like I flushed anything down the drain. I still tell people like I've been, I have been living sober for two and a half years. Like I quit drinking two and a half years ago because I did. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I went and had a drink again, but who gives a fuck? It was an experiment. Yeah. Just being a scientist for a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> uh, put away the chef hat for a minute and put on your lab coat. That's right. <laughs> um, there was one thing you said earlier about like lowering your expectations. Yeah. Is that something I'll talk about in AA? It is. I mean, it, Can we it's something I kind of live by in what? life right now. Like, my motto right now is under-promise and over-deliver. Okay. I try to lower other people's expectations of me uh-huh. so that I can exceed their expectations. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I literally had that thought a little bit today, and it was kind of accidental. Like, so... For the listeners, I was telling Tom earlier, um, I did this Wim Hof breathing thing today that was followed by an ice bath, and my neighbor, my downstairs neighbor had done it before, and she did not like the ice bath portion of it. She was, it was miserable for her, like that actual step of it, you know, 
and she was talking about how bad it was for her and so I had this idea in my head of like how horrible it was going to be and then when it actually when I did it it was like wow this isn't that bad you know I built it up I had all these expectations in my head of how bad it was going to be and then when I did it it was like oh this is this is fine yeah you were (laughs) pleasantly surprised yeah it wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be yeah but I wonder like I don't know it's such an interesting way to live your life to have like it seems pessimistic or something it's in a way it is I mean I've learned I've experienced a rebirth over the last year or at least since July 2020 um one of my good friends in the program took his life and then the next day I started out on my journey with Reikina and serving a tasting menu in my home trying to create a private restaurant and like drive intrigue to get groups of people into my home and each pay you know $150 per person for an eight course meal that's like a huge ask for me to ask people to do like hey would you like to come to my house so I can serve you an eight course meal and you pay me $150 Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time like I expected when I started it for it to become very popular very quickly Mm -hmm. and I was let down when that didn't happen Um, especially because when I would tell people about it they would be intrigued and they would say, Oh, I want to do it. How do I do it? And I would tell them how to do it and they wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it drove me nuts until I was just like, okay, I've had enough of telling people, you know, how to do it and and actually expecting them to do it. Maybe I should just expect them not to do it. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, instead of me being upset when they didn't do it, it's like, I expected this to happen. And I was pleasantly surprised when I had my, the ones that did follow through, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Instead of me expecting everyone to follow through and being upset with the ones that didn't, it's just like, hey, I'm lucky that these people that are following through are doing this ridiculous thing that I'm asking them to do mm-hmm. and they're enjoying it. Yeah. Um, it's funny that like I wanted the secret restaurant to take off and then like, at the you know at the end of the home dinner era and then still now people are asking me now that now that it's over the word has gotten out that I did this and people are asking for the home dinner experience again you know like yeah that's the way it's always going to be yeah like, it's always going to be that's what they call murphy's law I'm pretty sure right like what is murphy's law again murphy's law i think states that like anything that can go wrong will go wrong but it's also like things happen at inopportune times like now that this thing is over everybody wants it Uh uh-huh yeah um yeah i mean well one thing i'm noticing is like yeah it comes back to gratitude if you if you do have low expectations or yeah bad expectations and then things turn out better than you like have this greater sense of gratitude that's true it's just such a weird backwards way to like i don't know i'm like i'm and my like kind of growth and rebirth i feel like i've been more positive than i've ever been i feel like i i was very pessimistic for so long and negative and um yeah it's just so weird it's kind of hard for me to like be like lower my expectations like i guess it's not a bad thing to lower them sure i guess i'm thinking of like having bad expectations you're not supposed to have bad expectations that's being pessimistic yeah but it is good to like notice a trend and then expect yeah. Well, actually, this kind of comes to like, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a stretch, but the four agreements, I've read this book. Okay, tell me about that. Well, there's one of them that's don't make assumptions, and I feel like that's the one I, I struggle with the most. I think that directly aligns with lowering your expectations. Like, you make assumptions that 
you know, when somebody when somebody tells you they're gonna go and do this restaurant thing and they're gonna sign up and then they don't do it, you assume that like um, that they didn't want that, that they, they were, were gonna keep stay, keep their word, yeah, yeah, and all this stuff. But like the other part to that is you don't know what else going on in their lives and, exactly. Like, uh, so yeah, you just shouldn't make any assumptions about what other people are thinking or saying. And when they do say something like. You know, you can't take them a hundred percent at their word because, you know, people have other shit going on. Exactly, and like, hearing "I want to do this" translated to me at first to like, I'm going to do it, and then even when they said, "Oh, I'm gonna do that," it's like eventually I just learned to say, "Awesome, yeah, <laughs> cool." If they do, cool. If they don't, like, I'm sure they just got busy. Like, people don't. Of course, it was the center of my world, so mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it all the time, and I expect people to also be thinking about it, but they don't. Yeah, everybody's living <laughs> their own life. Yeah, they have other things that are the center of their world. Right. Um, doesn't mean that they don't love me or they they that they were lying to me, that they didn't actually want to do it. Right. They probably did. Yeah. But they just forgot. Right. And, and, yeah, it, and that's not a blow to me. It's like just how people are. So I learned a lot about people. Yeah. And you know I'm just really lucky to be where I'm at. Yeah, for sure. Um <clears throat> All right. Well, let's talk about the restaurant a little more, huh? Sure. Um did you already mention where it is? You said city Yeah, center. it's at the city center above Urban Outfitters next door to Raw Sushi. Okay. Um, and when is it open? We're shooting for a late June opening date. Um, and I'm telling you later than we're actually shooting for so that yeah, you can be pleasantly surprised when we open earlier than I say that we will. <laughs> um, well, man, you never know, too, with contractors like... Yeah, it you could should take longer than that. You should say a late date. <laughs> July, cause, yeah. Because, yeah, like if you're waiting for contractors to do shit. We're actually not. The contractors have all, they're finished. They're finished. So we've been handed the keys and we are now um, building the bar. Uh huh. Um, Who's I'm, we? Me and my next door neighbor. Really? Are building the bar together okay. out of reclaimed wood. And today we built the frame and the legs. And next Sunday, when he's off work again, we're going to finish it together. Tomorrow, I am meeting with an artist who's going to do a light sculpture on the patio. Mm -hmm. A really original work of art that I think is going to be super sick. Nice. An inverted topographical map of a region in Japan. Okay. And... We're also painting the walls. I'm going to make some lime wash paint from, mm. like, natural earth pigment and activated lime. Uh-huh. And uh, that's going to have, like, a really cool textured effect. There's going to be an art gallery, and we have three artists lined up right now for the first group show. And then every time we change the menu, we'll change the art show as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first three artists are um, Terry Supreme, who just finished up a show at Bill Arning Exhibitions on Richmond. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry creates the medium that he paints with. It's not really paint. It's like acrylic pouring type of stuff. Okay. Um, his work is about environmental degradation, which is really cool, really bright colors. Uh, the second artist is Stephanie Gonzalez, who has a lot of different themes, but I've asked her to do some of her pointillism work, really abstract, also bright colors. Mm-hmm. And the third artist is Alex Larson, whose work is more like um, sculptures that hang on the wall, and he uses a lot of found materials, uh, industrial materials. Mm-hmm to make these sculptures cool um and 
the menu, the amount of courses is is it gonna change, like per menu? It'll still be eight courses. Okay. I think it's the perfect amount of, like, a tasting menu, uh, as far as like time, and the size of courses. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to give people like, a, a slew of tiny little bites. It's harder to control how full somebody's gonna get when you increase the number of courses. Um, I think eight is like the perfect number to control that as well as like for me to put as much detail as I possibly can into a menu mm-hmm. um, and still like have every dish be good. Yeah. Um, and then what about your, are you doing a vegan option we're doing a vegetarian option or vegetarian with like we're gonna try to make a lot of them vegan but i think if you're gonna do a vegan tasting menu like that's got to be the focus of your restaurant yeah i'll go vegetarian just because is it vegetarian gluten-free still or is that i'll try to make them gluten-free like make them all gluten-free sub available Mm -hmm. um I wanna. I want to be able to accommodate everybody, and the gluten free thing is just so popular. Yeah. Um, I just. I just wish that people would know what they're asking for with that, like, and know that like. If you're not actually allergic, like certified celiac, then you can probably have soy sauce. You know, like. Mm people to know about the ingredient and know like what is going to trigger them interesting i didn't even think about soy sauce as having yeah it's funny because soy sauce i think the only thing that has gluten in the production is the type of koji that they're growing really barley koji which is gluten yeah but then it's just the runoff from that right so it's not even like you're eating gluten yeah no i mean well i found out crazy stuff uh paul our mutual friend um he's got celiac and when i went climbing with him he can only have one hot sauce like well one thing that's like in pretty much all hot sauces is vinegar and vinegar is made from grains like it's just like fermented grain basically mm-hmm. and um malt vinegar yeah and so like all these hot sauces so there's tapatio is the only one that you can have really which are you familiar with that one yeah it's got the like guy with the sombrero on it yeah he fucking loves that guy too <laughs> he's like look how psyched this guy looks he's got this like adorable smile on his face that the tapatio guy it, and it is great. Like I like. I wish it was your face on the top of Tio. <laughs> I'm like kind of sold on top yeah. of Tio now, just because of that guy. I'm like, he is so charming looking. I love this guy. It's true. Um, so, yeah. Um, any listeners who are gluten free, top of Tio is your hot sauce. <laughs> um, Maybe I'll try to make a dish that has top of Tio. <laughs> this one goes out to Paul. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the vegan or vegetarian menu, mm-hmm. people like it. Like there was a guy at one of the pop-up dinners who had a, a shellfish allergy and we had prep for, you know, some vegetarian dishes mm-hmm. as well. So we subbed in the veggie dishes whenever we had the scallop dish or the mm-hmm. octopus or the the uh sea urchin and he was like pretty psyched on the the agadashi tofu dish that i gave him oh dude your agadashi tofu is so good (laughs) but it's not even the tofu that's the star of the show it's the eggplant curry that's the veggie dish that's the agadashi tofu dish it's like it's got that eggplant curry with the fried tofu on top yeah i had never had tofu that way like the agadashi it's a flower right potato potato crusted yeah potato 
potato starch. Yeah. And fried. Yeah, man, so good. Um. Yeah, and I mean, I've served, I've served dinners for you, and uh, you'll usually put in in the main menu, you know, like a veggie dish. Yeah. And people. People are sometimes like, what was your favorite dish? And it'll be like the, the squash. The one veggie dish <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. The thing that I didn't, that I I just put in the menu because I needed to make a vegetarian dish. Not was It was not part of the vision, you know? Yeah. It's funny that the vegetarian dishes are people's favorite. Well, I mean, as a vegetarian, I will say, whenever we get pizza and there's like, the pepperoni and the sausage and all this stuff and then there's a veggie pizza veggie pizza is like a hit and all these people want to eat it and i'm like man y'all got your own like eat your eat your meat ones it's true why are y'all eating my veggie it's true um so yeah i mean people love their veggies regardless of if they love other stuff too it's funny because they don't think that it's gonna be better than the meat dish Mm-hmm. But, like, these things are growing out of the earth. You know, they're, like, more plentiful than animals. I guess, like, from a survival standpoint, it's, like, something you can just pick up and eat. And it's it's funny that, like, that's tastier, really. Yeah. When it comes down to it. If it's prepared right, you know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um... All right, anything else, any other uh, important things for people? I guess we can say the website at the end. Or yeah, I mean, like, as far as the restaurant goes, we are going to have an art gallery. We're making the furniture. Like, as far as the dining experience, I want to keep it as close to the experience of dining in my home as possible. So, like, I've built the table. And it's going to seat 12 people around it. Uh, Are you doing one or two dinners per night? We're doing two dinners per night with 20 people each. So the table will seat 12, and the bar, which I'm also building, will seat eight. So two little uh, communal seating arrangements right next to each other. So we will have 20 people show up for an eight-course meal, which will take you know, an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, so there will be one seating at... 6.30 and one seating at 8.45. Okay. Uh, 20 people each, 20 tickets each. Mm-hmm. And then communal seating, only vinyl records. Um, You're going to have a DJ, basically? No. Who's, well, who's flipping them? Andrew. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm bringing my piano to the restaurant because I play piano in my home dinners you're bringing that one or you're not bringing my real piano yeah and there we're gonna have a full bar with a bar program in the back there's gonna be a lower commitment dining experience in the front of the restaurant uh three course tasting and oh really yes how many people can that fit? That one will be six tables uh, with three seats each. So 18 people. So and so, are you going to have more help than you originally intended? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a lot to be managing if it's those private parties plus general public. Yeah, but the beauty of the thing is that Nobody's really going to be ordering anything. Everything will be a set menu. Even the three, three even the course. three course tasting. It's yeah. like choose regular or vegetarian. Yeah. You know. You're not going to make them choose an emotion like yeah, like the shed <laughs> yeah. at Dulwich. Yeah, for listeners, there's this uh, ridiculous video. I think Vice did it. It was a Vice experiment. And it's this guy who's trying to get his uh, fake this restaurant. restaurant that doesn't exist to be number one on TripAdvisor. And he does it. And he does it. But this restaurant doesn't even exist. I, I'll put a link to that video, too, on the show notes, just so people have some a frame of reference for what we're talking about. Um, 
Yeah. How do you feel? I feel tired. <laughs> yeah. Already, like, and we've just started. But I'm like, it's like a really good tired and a really good stressed. Like, if I'm ever stressed, it's like, I just go right into gratitude. Like, holy shit, I'm so lucky Yeah. to be doing this. And then I'll be like, you know, I'll start out a day saying like, all right, I'm going to work half the day and I'm going to take a day off. And I'll just wind up working the whole day and it's not really an issue. It's not like I'm like, I went to work for somebody else for the full day. Right. I'm working for myself. Yeah. And I'm working towards like making other people happy with something I created, mm-hmm. which I know like is going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be badass. So I'm just really excited. Yeah. Is there like any anxiety? Not really. That's Honestly, good. like there was with the pop-ups uh for listeners, we the largest private dinner I did was 18 guests and then we decided to do three pop-up dinners in the month of April uh and sell 40 tickets to each one. So the first dinner we had 39 people. The second dinner we cut off the tickets and did a dinner with 28 guests. And then the last dinner, which was Friday, we had 36 people mm-hmm. again. Um, and the first dinner lasted over three hours. It was like three hours and 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And people were... I think these two ladies who were complete strangers like angrily told me how good the food they were like they're like if this food if every bite of this meal wasn't fantastic we would have been long gone long ago like just the food is delicious but you know it was it had taken way too long for them Uh and then the second dinner we really improved the vibe um the lighting the dj all everything was cooler mm-hmm. and we thought we were gonna serve the dinner faster because we pre-plated a bunch of stuff but somehow it wound up being almost just as long it took three hours we started late you know mm-hmm. uh and everybody had a blast but the food critics that came they they were the length of the experience pretty much ruined it for them they said which i thought was funny because everybody else there was like I didn't even know notice how long this took. It was amazing. Uh and then on Friday we finished the dinner in an hour and 45 minutes. So for 36 people, mm-hmm. eight courses. Mm-hmm. And it was very satisfying. It was triumphant, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that kind of sucks. How much of a learning curve there is for right. like just serving that group that group size. Yes. And the fact that there are critics there and stuff. Eh, but it's um, whatever, honestly. Like it's not really what the experience is going to be like. I mean, like why no. are they, why are they? They're going to come back to the restaurant. They're critiquing this kind of one-off experience. Sure, it's not what the restaurant is going to be. And they said they're excited to come try the real thing. Yeah. So, yeah, that does sound stressful. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that I learned already to expect the worst right right? so i'm like (laughs) happy with everything yeah it's so funny that like doing it in my house being upset for so long when it didn't like take hold Mm -hmm. now that there is like press around it and you know i got to serve dinner to 36 people and they were all like overjoyed i don't think a lot of people get to do that yeah. So I'm just lucky. Sure. You know? Yeah. To be able to share my product with people in right. such a direct way. Yeah, for sure. Food is funny because, like, if you're, at least if you're making it and you're giving it directly to somebody and you see their reaction, mm-hmm. there's no other art that, like, you really get to share in such a pers- personal way. Mm-hmm. Like, Visual art, you know, people can debate whether it's good or bad, right? 
music there's a lot of different styles of music too people can say that you know music is good or bad people mm -hmm. have different tastes for it food yes people have different tastes for it but it's pretty generally accepted when something's good or if it's bad right yeah like people tend to agree more on like good food exactly i mean yeah it's and it's personal to me like the the stories behind the stuff and the recipes that I create and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is cool. And I actually have, I think I have like that same drive a bit. Like, um, a performer. Well, I just mean cooking for people. Oh, sure. Like, well, I make tacos like for breakfast every, <laughs> well, I make tacos for like every meal. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, whenever I'm like, or this happened more frequently when I first started my current job, we would have these like, um, field excursions. Like we'd be doing work in Corpus Christi or something. Right. And we would get an Airbnb cause they were like more affordable than a hotel. And I was like, I'll get breakfast food and I'll make breakfast every morning. And I would like, love to make everybody tacos in the morning. And there's just something really nice about, like, feeding people and, like, yeah. But obviously, you know, I'm not I'm not a chef. But there's still that joy that I get from just, like, a little simple meal, whether it's um, tacos or crab cakes, lion's mane crab cakes. Those were good. <laughs> really good. Uh, yeah, so... It's fun. I can see I can see the drive. It's fun, it's therapeutic, it's like actually physically nourishing. You get to eat and be full afterwards. It's just like Oh, uh, I will um I will say this for the listeners. I had this guy Didi on. And Didi Didi or DeAndre, he he we talked about it in that episode, but you know, he helped Tom out several times just cooking and serving and stuff. And um, on that episode with him, we talked about, like, basically mindfulness when eating. You know, like, slowing down to enjoy your food, which is something I don't do very often. But I've been doing it more since I since that interview with Didi. And, man, you know what I really do it with, I'm figuring out, is fruit. <laughs> yeah. When you have good fruit... God damn, it's like <laughs> so to slow down and appreciate the flavor of it's a piece so of food. nice. Yeah, man. I've had pineapple and I had the other day I bought kiwis on a whim. I like never eat kiwis. Just focusing on the flavor of a kiwi. Yeah. It's a very complex flavor. Yeah, and the There's texture a lot going on. Texture's pretty unique too. Extremely. Um and I just really like closed my eyes and was like eating it slowly and it's like man this is so good um so yeah uh next time i eat your food in the restaurant i'm gonna slow down cool <laughs> <laughs> really enjoy it <laughs> well you're one of the few people that's had every single menu including the vegetarian menu yeah yeah and for <laughs> for the listeners i did uh i have been more flexible since last march march of 2020 um and physically so, or uh, both probably i mean i I did a lot of yoga during the pandemic but also <laughs> i i mean flexible with my diet so yeah i did try tom's uh pretty much every one of the courses i was gonna call them meals um but yeah uh, <laughs> um and yeah they're all delicious Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, any any parting words? Um, just enjoy your life. Have as much fun as you can. Yeah. Uh, Reiki Na dot X Y Z. Is that right? Reiki Na dot X Y Z. Um, and I'll put that uh, website in the in the show notes. Um, <laughs> thanks so much, Tom. You're welcome. 
everyone. Thanks for listening to the episode. Um, I'm here at the end to just talk about the charitable organization that I've chosen chosen for this month. Uh, I chose Hate is a Virus, and I'm just going to read you a little bit from their website. Hate is a Virus is a nonprofit community of mobilizers and amplifiers that exists to dismantle racism and hate. They started in April of 2020, and <clears throat> they were basically started in response to the rise in hate crimes against the Asian American and Pacific Islander community uh, in relation to the pandemic. Um, In that year, they've raised over $30,000, and they've hosted all kinds of incredible events. Um, Now I'm not exactly reading from their website, but I'm summarizing. Um, And... The other thing that they do is they help raise awareness, they educate and equip the community um, to respond to hate and racism, and then they also make informed actions um, to basically, you know, make changes in legislation, talk to community leaders, organizations, and and basically give them ways to make positive changes. So, um, yeah, please consider uh, contributing to the to the podcast the other way i make money is just from having people listen so um yeah please uh tell other friends to listen if you like this show and if you don't like the show um or you don't think your friends would like the show then as i always say just kind of let your your dogs or cats listen to it as you walk out of your house just tell your your alexa to play or your google home just say play the swamp and wolf podcast and just walk out of your door and go grocery shopping or something and i'll make some money that way um speaking of some of y'all have been doing this and i just noticed because i you know i read all the comments and reviews that i get on the podcast especially from my fellow uh fans that are of the canine variety who are listening through the PupCast app. So thanks to all my dogs out there who are listening. Um, I'm going to read a review from a dog uh, who who really likes the show. Um, he said, The Swamp and Wolf podcast has really made me think about my life. Usually I just live life in the moment, chasing balls and, uh, you know, chewing on sticks, but... Uh, my owner plays this podcast whenever they leave. Um, I also find Chris's voice to be super soothing and, um, I really appreciate it because it can really put me to sleep. Um, and then I have lots of energy for when my parents come home. So yeah, there's a great review from a, from a dog, uh, who really enjoys the show um, maybe next time I'll, I'll read a review from, from a cat, um, you know, cats who listen on the podcasts app, um, which I've got plenty of comments and reviews from that too. So next time y'all can expect that. Um, okay. So <laughs> that's enough talking. I guess I'll, I'll let y'all, uh, listen to the segment from my guest. Enjoy. Hi, my name's Thomas Stacy, and I'm playing Across the Universe by John Lennon. i 
Bye.